0: Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
1: Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits vod countless others end up doa development hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions we're gonna find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light i am your host josh corngut i am the managing editor of dread central i am also a filmmaker in toronto canada This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. I mean, I really thought we were going to be able to drive into camp, but it was really weird how that bridge was just like completely destroyed, forcing us to walk through these pretty quiet, spooky woods all by ourselves. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah,
0: no, yeah, it's a very, uh, very Evil Dead too. That bridge,
1: very Evil Dead too. Oh, hey, we we've made it to camp. I'm so excited. We're gonna get to like make s'mores, and we're gonna take care of weird kids. We're gonna get to go canoeing.
0: Uh, uh, uh Josh, Josh, Jinx, do you uh do you see that sign over there? You see uh oh. see what it reads, Josh? It did how much research did you do about this place before well, we actually showed up?
1: Go ahead, go read uh, read that sign to me. Hold on, I'm taking it down and. It says that, it says camp is canceled. It says camp is canceled because a lunatic is in the woods killing off counselors. That's not good at all. I mean, what does this mean for us actually being camp counselors? I was really looking forward to this. I mean, this was the one thing that I was willing to let you out of the basement for, and now it's completely ruined.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was really uh, looking forward to it
1: too. I guess we could just go back to the basement. Um, No,
0: no, hey, let's look. We're here okay uh we're we're dressed for camp yeah um i don't really know where we go from here Uh, i'm a little scared if i'm being honest
1: but well you know what we could do since we're here since we're already in our uniforms we could make the best of things and just maybe start a bonfire and tell some scary stories what uh what kind of what kind of scary stories there are you thinking chief i don't want to scare anyone but i'm gonna give it to you straight about jason never dies Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Nay, this is actually not Development Hell anymore. This is the first chapter of our brand new miniseries, Camp is Cancelled. That is right. Every Tuesday this July, Development Hell is transformed, taking us back into the 80s to summer camp because we are unearthing four never-made Friday the Thirteenth sequels, and we're doing it with the help of our favorite co-counselor, Jinx.
0: Jinx, how's it going? I, I'm just sitting here wondering why camp was canceled in the first place. Did it, uh, mm-hmm. did it tweet mm-hmm. something problematic? Uh, <laughs> take some Ambien, you know, mm-hmm. shoot off the mouth? Like what? What? What did camp do exactly, Josh? I'm concerned.
1: Well, I think there were a lot of teenagers that were just showing up without their heads, and also. Um, They assumed my gender, and I just don't think that was okay. So I'm going to cut that out. But Jinx, (laughs) it's so good to have you back. And I'm so excited to have you here as the co-host for Campus Canceled, this four-part series running in July. But before we get into it, can you do me a favor of reintroducing yourself to the Development Hill audience?
0: Yes, my name is Jason Jenkins. Please call me Jinx. I am a writer for Bloody Disgusting. I have a couple of columns there, not the least of which is Phantom Limbs, which concerns itself with, uh, well, unproduced horror films. Well, specifically unproduced horror sequels and remakes and whatnot. And uh, I'm also a podcaster. I have a a podcast called Scream Addicts, which is currently finishing up its its run of Hammer Horror Film Commentaries called uh, Hammer Pub. Uh, we're, we're actually just about to record the 51st and last episode of that series. Feels like we climbed the mountain. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm uh, I'm just happy to be here and chatting some more uh, unmade horror.
1: We are psyched to have you back, and even more psyched to really be digging into the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. I've talked about hmm, Friday versus Jason Part Two, and maybe dabbled here and there in the Jason lore, but. This is the first time we're really digging deep into Unmade Friday the 13th, and I'm excited. Today, we have our very first topic for Campus Cancelled. We are digging into the unmade follow-up to Jason Lives. It is titled Jason Never Dies. Pretty appropriate. And I think that this would have been a follow-up to Jason Lives, but it also would have taken place way further down the line, not with any of the same characters. But it would have been from our dear friend Tom McLaughlin, the writer-director of Jason Lives. Some consider it to be one of the best of all of the Friday entries.
0: I mean, it's my favorite, so...
1: (laughs) Um, I think I would say that it's my favorite too. So I'm loving that this is where we get to start off. You're okay with it? Maybe we can jump directly into Jason Lives and our relationships with it. Uh, Jinx, would you mind if I gave like just a little bit of a seminar on the original film Jason Lives? Yes, yes,
0: I would. Please don't.
1: <laughs> so I'm kidding the- though. <laughs> I do. And I was going to do it anyways. Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. This was written and directed by Tom McLaughlin. It is starring the likes of Tom Matthews, Jennifer Cook, C.J. Graham, and David Keegan. This is the sixth entry in the long-lasting Friday the 13th franchise. And I think this was the third and final film to feature the ongoing character of tommy jarvis and he is in the protagonist role um jinx i'm wondering if you would be able to sort of give us a little bit of a history a little bit of backstory on tommy jarvis in the friday the 13th lore, and sort of how he gets to where he is in this film
0: sure so tommy was uh last well i wouldn't say last scene he was initially seen as a young man uh, you know, kind of perfect monster kid age in uh, the fourth Friday the 13th movie. He was played by Corey Feldman, uh, like, long before he uh, he was Corey Feldman. Uh mm-hmm. say that's fair. Like, he hadn't fully... Oh,
1: 100%. This was, sort like, of, the origins of Corey.
0: Yeah, he hadn't fully Feldman yet. So, uh, you know, this was, this was, like, nascent, like, you know, uh, young Corey Feldman, as it were and you know uh he he's a kid who loves monsters he loves uh you know making masks and whatnot he's he's a fun kid and you know if you were a youngster in the 80s growing up on you know maybe not watching these movies from beginning to end but you know if you were anything like me growing up on watching them from around like you know uh door jams and corners and from behind (laughs) pillows you know uh Seeing a kid this age, sort of uh, not merely surviving Jason, but taking him on head first, there's this weird sort of kid wish fulfillment of being able to, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: uh, love monsters, but also tackle the scary stuff and, you know, uh, best it as it were. Although it's more than a little disturbing when uh, in the climax he shaves his head to look like uh, baby Jason and he goes (laughs) at the villain with a uh, a machete and chops him into, uh, well into uh, into grew
1: as it were uh, with It's fra- wild that is a crazy ending to the fourth film that maybe doesn't get enough credit for how outrageous it is.
0: You know, and you get to that ending, and with Tommy, you get the feeling that, you know, it's very Halloween 4 with uh, Jamie Lloyd. You get the feeling that, okay, this yes. is where the franchise is going to go. We got this crazy kid, and he's going to grow up to be sort of the uh, the the masked slasher's successor uh, oh as, as the villain of the, uh, the franchise. And then you get to Friday 5, and sure enough, he's grown up, he's twitchy, he's, uh, you know – nervous he's kind of crazy acting you know he's hot uh, as
1: hell i'm sorry to interject
0: <laughs>
1: and he is uh
0: i do not know the name of the actor who plays him in part 5 and it's amazing mm-hmm. to me uh that he is actually played by a different actor in every installment that he appears in but yep. yeah he is he's played very damaged uh in friday 5 and uh, by the end, he's ultimately kind of the hero. Uh it's revealed that uh the killings were not carried out by Jason, but uh by a guy whose son was killed. You know, he was dressing up as Jason. He he somehow, someway found a great bald cap slash mask, slash, yeah, you know, prosthetic. Jason hockey mask to to plop onto the front of it. Like, well done, mm-hmm. Roy. Good job. Roy.
1: Yeah. And I like um, the little blue accent so we so the real fans will know the difference. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, but weirdly enough, at the very end of that movie, once again, Tommy is set up as a potential villain when he uh, he pops out from behind our final girl uh, wearing the mask and, you know, brandishing a, uh, a pointy weapon. And it's like, OK, so is Tommy going to be the villain in the next movie? And by the time we get to Friday six, I would say arguably, yeah, Tommy is the villain, because you know what, Josh, if mm-hmm. he had just left Jason's ass in the ground, mm-hmm. how many people? might not have died? How many sequels might we have been spared had he not tried to dig Jason up and do whatever the hell he was going to do? You know, what did he think he was going
1: to accomplish? It's there? very animalistic, this this moment with Jason in the ground, where he goes, yeah, so he goes with his his buddy. It's very Frankenstein, which, is, which I love so much, the intro to Jason Lives. And, and he just needs to know that Jason's underground and dead. And so him and his bud unearth Jason... He's all maggoty and gross, and Tommy takes a big metal rod and just starts hacking him up further again. And there is something awkwardly like, I don't know, the when he really starts going at Jason, there's something about it that's like kind of sad and kind of like awkward, and you're like, oh, he's he's losing it. Yeah, I mean, and that is kind of a
0: callback to the previous movie. Uh again, you know, we have a completely different actor playing Tommy Jarvis in the sixth movie. It's now Tom Matthews. And uh mm-hmm. unlike the uh the twitchy, nervous, you know, kind of uh borderline crazy character that we get in the previous movie, Tom Matthews is very, you know, he's 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 definitely the hero type, right? He's uh that. yeah, he's he's kind of uh you know. God, how would you describe him? Like he's, he's stoic,
1: he, and he's like anti-hero energy, kind of, and
0: yeah, yeah. I guess you know, brooding. I, he's definitely he's like the superhero version, almost, of the previous Tommys that we've seen. You know, Very he's superhero.
1: and Batman so
0: vibes. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this opening sequence is kind of cool. It kind of marries what we know of Tommy from the previous installment to you know, who will eventually know him as, which is the more standard Hollywood hero type in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, which is cool, you know? Um, but yeah, Tommy, Tommy is kind of a fascinating character to me. And it's amazing to me that he never popped up in any of the other, uh, I will say in Canon films, of course there, uh, there are a lot of
1: fan films.
0: Yeah. There are fan films that, uh, I believe Tom Matthews even came back for one, for one of the Womp Stop movies. Yes, he
1: did. Yes, he did. Um, but he also came back, I think, he came back for the video game. Am I wrong?
0: Because characters the Oh, characters right, in the video right, game, right.
1: I don't know if they, I, they definitely got his likeness for it. I don't know if, you know, I, I think I'm pretty sure they got him back to do voice work and stuff for it, too. And, you know, um, like, even in the later movies, Um, I
0: mean, how do you not do a riff on Tommy Jarvis in, like, the 2009 movie, you know? Or, I know, that would have been nice. so
1: cool if Jared Padalecki, like, had, like, encountered tommy jarvis and like tommy jarvis sort of like helped that'd be cool
0: yeah it totally you totally could have had him play version of tommy you could have had a flashback with you know a child and that could have been like part of his past you know it would have been such a fun bit of fan service to have done that but instead you know we do still have this complete tommy jarvis trilogy which is kind of neat on its own but um Mm -hmm. i don't know he's a fascinating character he's very much the um uh, kind of the Nancy Thompson uh to Freddie yeah. or the Laurie Strode to uh to Michael and yet
1: you know he he he's he got to it right with Jamie him. Lloyd he is Jamie Lloyd in a way
0: oh 100% but he has yet to get his he he his Halloween 2018 like i want to see an older tommy finally I love taking off that Jason. although you know do we is it tom Matthews still or do we keep uh Keep to the Ooh. franchise's <laughs> choice of having What's, a different Tommy. It's like a Louis Bunuel film, you know. It's like every time we see Tommy, he's somebody else. Who was so.
1: Halloween Kills? Michael something.
0: Uh, the bald guy. And it's oh, from. Uh, that was 80s? Uh, Tommy Doyle.
1: Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Yeah. That whoever they got to play Tommy Doyle as an adult, that's that's who we should get for. Oh
0: well, no, no, that's okay.
1: <laughs> Let me have my vision.
0: So I think give me age. I don't know if the age works out or not, but give me like somebody like Devin Sala, you know, as as like a I modern could Tommy Doyle.
1: Although the age definitely would not work out, but who cares? It wouldn't. I could definitely see that. Although you know, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but the sequel that Tom McLaughlin was thinking about was only gonna set it in the two thousands. It wasn't going to bring it all the way till now, in which case I think a Devon Sawa would be a perfect choice for Tommy Jarvis, although he was never gonna be in Jason never dies. Would I be able to sort of wrap up the basic plot for Jason Lives for those who maybe aren't super well aware? Sure. So tell me how I'm doing with this one. But so as you were saying, we got are Tommy Jarvis back after this three-movie arc? This is his final time appearing. And he basically j- accidentally brings Jason back to life in this very Frankenstein-esque opening scene where he uh stabs Jason multiple times with this metal rod. The rod gets hit by lightning. Very nightmare on Elm Street 4. Jason is back, and immediately the action begins. He kills the friend. Tommy races off into town to try to t- uh, warn everybody that Jason is back no one believes him and the killing spree begins and I have to say I really love how quickly it all just starts I think that's really clever
0: yes absolutely the movie moves like a bat out of hell and it's just so much damn fun and I, I love McLaughlin's approach to telling the story where you know it's very stylish it, it, it is scary uh, mm-hmm. but it's also just so much damn fun and it's willing to sort of poke fun at itself in a way that the previous entries weren't uh, definitely not saying that none of the previous entries you know uh, weren't fun but like still you know I think Friday six is what I think of when I want to have a good time watching a Friday movie that or Jason X like I think those two <laughs> sort of are, are, are they they, they complement one another pretty well I think when it comes to the horror comedy of it all yeah, um,
1: they're self-aware but they're scary and violent as hell and I don't know, do you think that this movie, Friday six, gets enough credit for not maybe not inventing the self-aware horror movie, but definitely being one of the first ones to popularize it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I you know Obviously, I think, you know, when you look at McLaughlin, he was probably hearkening back to what? Like maybe Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, the sort of melding of iconic horror figure with, uh, you know, some yucks. And uh, <laughs> I kind of wish, you know, early on, I think, I don't know if it was before or after this entry, but he had mulled over doing a uh, Cheech and Chong, you know, uh-huh. led Friday the 13th movie. And damn it, like I wish that that had actually happened
1: me Um, too because you know neither of them would die it would have been so funny
0: yeah 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 and uh i i think there would have been something really really just fun about that i i wish that existed but i i think what he ultimately gave us with jason lives is still something that again it kind of takes the piss out of movies like this but still allows us and invites us to have fun with it and uh I kind of love it for that. And for that reason, I wish we had gotten more from him. I wish he had returned and had done more Friday movies. I would love to see what his own personal trilogy might have been. Or if he, Mm -hmm. indeed, back then, you know, if he continued working on these movies in the 80s, would he have brought Tommy back? You know,
1: who knows? Mm -hmm. What would he have done? I know that they did ask him to come back for another film after this one did so well. And he declined at the time. Um, I also believe I've heard him say in interviews that he had been offered scream. Does that sound familiar? And turn that down too, because he believed that he would already sort of succeeded with the self-aware horror satire.
0: I would love a list of all of the people that were offered scream back in the uh, day. That's like, a good podcast. You know, uh, because, you know, it's so many different movies that might've been made from that script. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, at that point, the Wes Craven wasn't necessarily the, uh, the obvious choice for material like that. No, it was you know? a
1: comeback for him. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And my goodness, what a comeback it was. Uh, so, no, <laughs> I could totally see Tom McLaughlin having tackled Scream back in the day. And I think he probably would have done an amazing job with it. but yes. uh,
1: It would have been different, but it would have been something. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. But, um, Um,
0: mm -hmm. you know, it's weird with Friday six. I, you know, I note this is my favorite Friday movie, but for the longest time, it was one of the few Friday movies that I even liked. Um, you know, for the longest time, I always held that, you know, Friday six, Jason X and Freddy versus Jason were the only Friday movies that I, I enjoyed, uh, there's something about the franchise. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried so many times I would do these big franchise watches every time that the damn things would, uh you know, get a box set of some sort of be like, okay, now's the time. This is the time I'm going to watch them and I'm going to get them. And I never got them. And I don't know why, you know, I like fun slasher movies. I think Jason is a great, like iconic slasher villain, but I just, there was something about the franchise that just kind of put me off and kept me at arm's length until that damn scream factory box set came out. And mm-hmm. it was the middle of the pandemic and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a couple of days and I'm going to give it one more shot and try it out. And there was something, there was something about that rewatch where <laughs> it finally clicked for me. And now, like, I just, I love this series. I think it's so, fun. Uh, but I still, I still hold two, six being my favorite. I think that that is uh, it's the, my
1: favorite as well.
0: The pinnacle um, franchise.
1: It's interesting that it sort of came to you a little later in the game because it it arrived for me late too. I had been trying it ever since I was a kid and couldn't get into it like I got into Freddie and Michael and all the other guys. And I always kind of just played it off that maybe it was because it's a little bit more basic. Like it's a little bit more rough around the edges in its formula. It's not that creative and that kind of put me off. Um, I think it was after the arrival of the video game where I really just clicked and I really just like got it and then i can't get and like i still just like i could watch any of these movies any day of the week yeah but but yeah i think we have the fa- the same favorites cuz i think my favorites have got to be 6 <laughs> x and Freddy versus jason but but 2 is very important and and 4 is also great and i have to say i have a do have a soft spot for 7 and i don't hate 8 I don't <laughs> and, and 1 of course is classic
0: I can, honestly, out of all of them now, the the only one that I still don't and it, here's the thing: I still appreciate it. I still have a fun time watching it. Jason goes to hell, but five. Uh, I just you know, it's still a little too sleazy. It's a little too rough it, around gross. the edges. It's just not fun, you know. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean that's probably you know I like Jason goes to hell. Uh,
1: no, I I, I like Final Friday, you know. Final um, no, Friday, great. Uh, and, and three is three is quintessential. If it's anything, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jason goes to Hell. The final Friday, I think, is really cool, and uh, it, it catches I, so I, much hell.
1: I just find it kind of boring, unfortunately. Which is I I do the like. Uh, oh, I do like the eighth film quite a lot oh, too. Oh, I love I, I love the boat movie. It's yes. so fun.
0: The, uh, the New York movie that's not really New York.
1: The Vancouver. Uh, Jason Takes Vancouver. I love it. Exactly. I wish that's what it would have been called. For all of five minutes, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which I love. I actually love the fact that it's on a boat. I Like, they should have, if it was like Jason at sea, I think I would have been just as down.
0: Yeah, like, that alone could have sustained, like, a concept for a movie. You know, yeah, Jason Takes the High Seas. Uh, yeah, Jason.
1: Yeah. But instead, they were
0: like, you know, they they pushed New York, and it's just kind of like, uh, gang, this is, you, 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 this is not the movie you made.
1: No. No. People were really, really, uh, pissed that he didn't really get to go to New York.
0: Yeah. But But no, it's, uh, I even like the, uh, the remake, and I don't care, uh, how often the writers of that say that it was a sequel, you know, with some, uh, retconning it's not it's a remake uh i know it's not a remake of a specific movie but also it's a remake it feels remake, really
1: remake, cool remake. remake reboot yeah i mean uh, it's line. it's
0: it's totally like i mean it opens with a remake of the end of the first movie and it does this kind oh, of riff so the first four films and you know yeah, yeah
1: that, that intro yeah
0: so you know but so why they keep pushing like Oh no! This is actually the whatever the hell it was like the tenth movie in the franchise or eleventh, uh, ninth, twelfth, whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's somewhere up there. You know, and it's just kind of
1: like twelfth. Oh, yeah, sorry.
0: No, I'm sorry. Like, there's no way I'm I'm buying that Derek Mears is playing like a version of like what did he do? Did he did he lose the mask? Go back to the bag and then find a brand new
1: mask like to put on again? Like, come on, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's still fun. Exactly. Um, and I'm excited to dig into this franchise with you over the rest of the month because I think we're going to have a lot to say. But I'm really glad that we're going to start off with Jason Lives because it's one of our favorites. And I think um, I'd really like to know what a follow-up could have looked like. And before we dig you know, deeper into Jason Never Dies, I have some questions for you in terms of Jason Lives, which is, what are some of your favorite kills in this movie? Oh, uh,
0: you gotta love the couple, uh, that gets
1: killed like that. Well, you have to be more specific.
0: Oh, well, uh, the, uh, oh, the, the, I God I forget his name, but the basket oh, from the end it. of Ghost, uh, the, the one on the, on the, in the Winnebago. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, okay. the, uh, the couple that he takes out with the, uh,
1: the, saw the, uh, oh, the MasterCard gag. Oh yeah. my God. And that's the wife of Tom too. I forget I forget their names, but the the woman is the wife of director Tom McLaughlin. Yes,
0: yeah, and the guy is a he would go on the bigger things. He uh he played the best friend slash villain and ghost. He was like a, he was uh he's cute. Yeah, he was in a he was in a number of different things. I cannot remember his name. Uh, I feel terrible. I'm gonna look it up. I now saw it earlier today
1: bad. too. But yes, I thought Tony Goldwyn. Oh. what uh, what an amazing sequence where it's right near the beginning of the film and there's this yuppie couple that encounter Jason in the middle of the woods and they're very self-aware about it they're like people in horror movies when this happens nothing good happens to them and they try to get away and it just ends with a floating mastercard and I thought that would be a great twitter header image the floating mastercard
0: Um, the RV one is great. Like definitely him smashing the face into the, uh, the wall and doing like the weird sort of vacuum form look of the screaming face. I think it's, I love that. Um, weirdly enough, like the, uh, the paintball slash smashing the head into the tree Mm
1: -hmm. almost
0: takes things too far when it goes to the yucks, like leaving a smiley face behind. I was just kind (laughs) of like, uh, I don't know. I like it. I like it though. I don't know. It's that weird sort of thing where. I'm it's sorry, a face would never do that. I said the same thing <laughs> when Forrest Gump did it, when he wiped his face and the shirt came away with a perfect smiley face on it. I'm like, this one an Oscar over Pulp Fiction. Fuck you. Oh my um, God. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I'm um, with you
1: though. It, it's a line, It's it's a difficult tone to straddle and it straddles it very well. But there are specific moments that kind of take it a little too far. And yeah, that weird executives playing paintball in the woods is one of those moments.
0: Yeah, I mean, I even like that sequence. It's just, man, it's 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 all about the smiley face for me. That's misogyny what it
1: man me. was so familiar looking. <laughs> um, right?
0: Otherwise, I would say, honestly, just as far as set pieces go, I mean, that final showdown in the lake and the boulder and the fire, like that is just, it's an all-time Classic for that franchise, I think. It's so, Classic.
1: good although, like, that's what gets him. Like, you couldn't just like undo the, <laughs> the thing a little bit, but it gets him. And I, I do love that iconic image of Jason floating up in people's dioramas, and like, it's just so good. So, and I think there is an installation somewhere on this God-given Earth where someone did put a floating Jason at the bottom of a lake to scare people.
0: Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Where the hell is that? Um, mm-hmm. I'll look this up because I love it because I want to visit that lake and go diving there sometime.
1: I would love to go diving. Eh. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think as you're looking that up for me. One of my some of my favorite kills in it. It's it's not a great kill because it's completely off screen. But the who are those characters? The the two girls that are waiting. The la- the last two girls that die waiting at the summer camp. Paula and Sissy, maybe, are the names. And it's just really prolonged them, just sort of creeping around the camp, waiting for Jason to murder them. The the tension is nicely built. And actually, this movie is kind of scary.
0: It is. It is, yeah. Uh, it is scary. It is fun. It's that perfect mix of the two, I think. Oh, by the way... Um, it was Arizona's Lake Pleasant that has a Voorhees statue in the
1: bottom. Oh, of it. we gotta go! Development hell road trip
0: in May of 2018. Uh, scuba diver Zachary Nahi uh, placed the Voorhees statue of his own in Arizona's Lake Pleasant. I love that. What a what a
1: horror hero that guy. We oh, love wait the a horror second. hero.
0: Apparently, there is another one in a Minnesota lake. Even better. Come on, like oh let's God. just get one in Lake
1: Ontario. Lake. Canada's or deserves a Jason Lake too. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Although that would
0: scare the living hell out of me. Apparently there is, uh, Oh, in, is it Matawan in New Jersey? The lake where back in 1916 or 17, there was a, a real great white shark that had flushed like 1.5 miles inland from the ocean into a small tidal lake. and oh uh, killed a young boy and somebody who tried to save him there. And I think there is actually like an installation at the bottom of the lake of a shark in the bottom of it. And it's like, isn't that in bad taste?
1: That's if weird. That- I do remember hearing about that recently and thinking, ouch. Um, that is totally in bad taste. Uh, it's kind of funny though. You know, it'd be kind of cool if someone did like a gigantic Lovecraftian tentacle monster at the bottom of a lake. <laughs> I love it. And like didn't tell anybody about it.
0: Love it. I love it. I wish they would. I and, wish you know, they would too. We, we need to do it if they don't.
1: You and I, installation artists, this is what podcasting is all about. Jinx, do you feel comfortable, do you feel ready for us to explore Jason Never Dies in a little bit more detail?
0: Yeah, what the hell, let's give it a shot.
1: We've been talking about the man, the legend for a little while now, but I was wondering, could you tell me a little bit more about who Tom McLaughlin is? Is that something you're comfortable with?
0: Uh, sure. Uh, so Tom McLaughlin is a writer and director. He is also a musician, a hell of a nice guy. He has directed, amongst many other things, uh, movies such as One Dark Night. He did Date with an Angel, Fairy Tale, A True Story, uh, The Unsaid. He's done loads of television work, uh, including stuff for Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. He did some Freddy's Nightmares, uh, Friday the 13th the series, which I think is pretty cool um he directed sometimes they come back the stephen king adaptation which is oh really Mm uh so no he is uh and plus he's directed loads and loads of like television films um and not uh necessarily all genre stuff either like uh i think he directed some stuff for maybe like lifetime i think classic uh (laughs) but yeah and so no he's He's a hell of a filmmaker. He's a hell of a storyteller for the life of me. I don't know why he doesn't sort of get the same accolades as a filmmaker that, you know, some of mm-hmm. uh, some of the, the, the usual suspects that we always talk about, do, you know, and maybe that's down to the fact that he didn't direct loads of horror movies back in that period. But I mean, so far as what his abilities were, I, I feel like that's a guy that, you know, some studios cough Blumhouse cough, or, you know, somebody like them should, maybe be looking at to bring back and sort of give him another opportunity to direct for the big screen again, because I think
1: he would probably kill it. Um, From my readings, so you you did a pretty in-depth article in Phantom Limbs about his never-made follow-up to Jason Lives, Jason Never Dies, and in it he was talking about how he was approached to do a possible follow-up back in 1986 after Jason Lives was super successful um, can you tell me what his response to that was back in the day if he was interested or no? Uh, you know like he
0: said I, I think the quote was something like he was like look I'm I'm spent I'm done I uh-huh. everything I had I put into this uh this movie like uh, Jason Lives and so he didn't really you know he it wasn't in him to do a follow up you know even though I think they had uh maybe bandied around the notion of doing Freddy versus Jason again there was that Chichen and Chong idea <laughs> that was sort of floated out there, but, uh, you know, otherwise he just kind of moved on. He, uh, he, he left the franchise and never came back. And, uh, until, you know, mm. several, several, several years later, uh, he, he sort of got the idea of doing a sequel, doing a up, uh, and one that would specifically follow up on Jason lives and in doing so sort of, uh, retcon all of the movies that had happened between Jason lives and now sort of out of continuity, because that's what we do these days. We, uh, we retcon, we reboot, we, uh, we Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, we sort of wipe away the more objectionable entries that we don't want. We reuse,
1: reduce, and we recycle. Exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's going to be too blunt force trauma to just get right into it. But I was remember reading in your article that this was going to bring the Friday the 13th franchise into the 2000s for a period piece. I'm just wondering, what what was Jason Never Dies going to be about? Is that something I can just ask?
0: Sure, yeah. Uh, So he got into it a little bit. Um, He talked about how, you know, when people think of this franchise, like its glory years were definitely like, in that space in the eighties and nineties, you know, there is, there is an aesthetic to the horror movies of those, that time that is sort of, uh, sort of, you know, inextricable, I think from, uh, Friday the 13th. And so he noted that he basically wanted to take artistic license and sort of bring the franchise back to that period. I think he said that, uh, he wanted to set it in 1999. So right at the tail end of the nineties. And, okay. uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he, he kind of wanted to set it in this period to sort of play on the paranoia that was in the air from, you know, the millennium and Y2K and all of those things. Like, it wasn't going to delve directly into that stuff, but it was just going to add a nice backdrop for the story that he wanted to tell. And uh, apparently his tale was going to follow a group of Catholic high school girls, kind of misfits who uh you know they're being held back a year they were going to go on a Catholic retreat during uh the Thanksgiving holiday weekend and they get snowed in or rather the road gets snowed in and so they have to sort of divert away and they wind up at this alternate camp uh which is a stone's throw across Camp Crystal Lake so it's (laughs) not actually Camp Crystal Lake but it is Crystal Lake, and it is a camp on the other side of Camp Crystal Lake. Or, huh, so, great, yeah, it's great, great, but strange, but odd, of, you know, choice. But I love that idea, and also, you know, w- would that have been? I, I believe that alternate camp or that idea of another camp has been touched on in previous movies back in the day. But, um, you know, I apparently they're just sort of hanging out there. They have no idea who Jason Voorhees is. They don't know <laughs> the area. They don't know its history. Um, And, you know, then presumably Jason pops up and horrible stuff starts happening. And Mm, I love it. Yeah. So uh uh, and apparently they were all led by, according to McLaughlin, a uh, and I'm quoting here, a very stern ass nun. So, (laughs) you know, you have a group of misfit girls. You have a stern ass nun leading them up and then you pit them against Jason Voorhees in the winter because everyone has been clamoring for a Friday the 13th movie to happen in the snow it's uh-huh. going to be on Thanksgiving night so it's going to be a holiday movie it's going to be a Thanksgiving movie and uh, weirdly enough he at the very end of our chat about this specific aspect of it uh, the story <laughs> he said that it was going to be his version of uh, guess who's coming to dinner and uh- <laughs> the the answer to the question for him was Jason, Jason fucking Voorhees that's who's coming to dinner
1: what a little genius man. And what a a great idea. And I love the idea of it being a totally woman ensemble versus Jason. Not really something we've seen before and I think would be really, really fun. Something that I read in another bloody article from 2019 was that he in no way was interested in bringing back the characters of Tommy and Megan. And I'm wondering how you feel about this. Is this something that you are sad about or something that you just think makes sense? I get it. Like, it makes
0: sense, you know, for one thing, like the practicalities of, you know, yeah, if you're going to set it in 1999, but we're in 2021, 22, you're not going to be able to get those actors back and have them pass as just being a little over a decade older. Then again, you know, considering the franchise, they might very well have simply recast, but there's something a little unsatisfying. You know, about that, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. if if you were having Tom McLaughlin direct the Friday movie where Tommy Jarvis and Meg pop back into it, but we're not going to have the actual actors playing those roles. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, Uh, why
1: follow up, Jason lives. Yeah, I mean, why make it a follow up?
0: Well, that's the thing. I, I think it's only a follow up, you know, from what he was saying. I think it's only a follow up in the sense that, you know, it's it's Jason Voorhees and it's Tom McLaughlin. And, you know, that's it. Uh-huh. That's that's and the him. title
1: is sort of.
0: Topic. Yeah, it feels like follow on, you know, Jason lives, Jason never dies. Uh, one wonders if the movies were only ever meant to be companion pieces. But, you know, would there have been a third movie? And if so, what would that title be? Uh, who knows? But I don't
1: know. Jason never dies, though, is a pretty great title. So is Jason lives.
0: I guess, you know, <laughs> if you did Jason lives, Jason never dies. And then just eh, Jason dies.
1: Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or Jason, Jason does. I remember him, right, saying something. I don't know if it was to you about how there was originally going. The, Jason Lives was originally going to be titled Jason Has Risen, but they were too scared of like freaking out Jesus people. Yeah, yeah. That
0: probably <laughs> would have, uh, especially you know things were so touchy back in the day, and one has to imagine that it would stir up that same sort of base again if he uh, uh, if he wanted to do a title like that uh and i know it was back in the 80s too, i do love it movies though we're catching all sorts of hell anyways so yeah if they had called it that i you know it probably would have been uh, not great for him or paramount uh to, jason
1: christ <laughs> to no i prob- cut that? Yeah, probably okay. not I probably not uh, from uh, this. but huh. no no i
0: um i so yeah i don't think he saw it as a follow-up in the sense that it's a direct sequel but Mm -hmm. it's just him sort of playing in that world again and you know the titles there's kind of a continuity there but that's it that said with the day and time that we're living in you can't tell me that paramount or whatever studio new line or whoever the hell would own these rights wouldn't come to him and say okay look tom mid-credits scene bring back tommy you know like it would totally happen. They would pop up at some point.
1: Yeah, I think it would. Be, I, I think it would actually be great if they somehow get on the radio, and uh, the only person that hears, just like in the video game, is Tommy Jarvis, and he's like living with his sexy girlfriend Megan, and they're like, "Well, gotta go help the girls." Uh, there was one segment I think you wrote about that just really stuck out to me about how <laughs> there was going to be a scene. Where Jason is literally chasing someone across the frozen Camp Crystal Lake <laughs> um, and that there was it was also going in famous Tom McLaughlin style going to be very self referential to horror tropes. Is that something you'd be comfortable talking a little bit more about?
0: Uh, sure. yeah. So he was talking about this set piece. And by the way, it is worth noting that, you know, he did put a lot of work in sort of conceptualizing this movie, not simply writing it, but he also brought on a great artist named Walter Figueroa, I believe, who did mm-hmm. all these great concept uh, art, uh, like pieces of art to, you know, sort of illustrate what his, uh, you know, what his vision for mm-hmm. the uh, the film was going to be. And that article actually does post them at the very end of it. And people should definitely check those out because they're super fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, he basically ended the article by saying, uh, or our interview rather, by saying that he would uh, reveal one more secret. He said, because it would be taking place in the winter, Jason would be chasing somebody across Crystal Lake. And obviously, you know, if you're going to try and run fast across a frozen lake, you're going to be slipping and falling. And this would be one of the rare times where falling as the monster's chasing you would make sense. Because, you know, most of the time it's like, why did you trip? Why did you fall? Come on. But in this case, you know, it'd be like, oh, we wouldn't have to ask that question. It's, it's slippery. Clear. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's
1: very funny. It's very self-aware in a way that he does very well and very charming and without the, being no, too sneering.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although he did note that it wouldn't bother Jason. He would just keep coming on like a freight train. But I will say this. I would love to see, just for once, during a chase scene, I want to see Jason slip and fall. Just like a little bit. You know, just, (laughs) (laughs) I want to see that happen. I want to see what his reaction is when it finally happens to him. That sort of moment where he's like, well, I'll be damned, you know? Ouch. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love that. I think that'd be really funny. And I was thinking the exact same thing. One other thing I found interesting from the Bloody Disgusting 2019 article on the subject was that Tom was interested in mildly explaining, like, ugh, the reason why Camp Crystal Lake is so doomed and so cursed. And I think he gave a kind of, like, quasi-pet-cemetery the the soil is evil explanation, which if you get a little bit too deeply into can sort of lead towards like in indigenous reasoning, but I don't think they wanted to go there. But I do think it would be kind of cool to give it a bit of a a pet cemetery vibe and give an explanation to like why this whole area is just so evil and cursed. Not just because of Jason. Yeah, I mean I I do love that idea. And
0: what's funny is that's not the first time that somebody actually uh, sort of investigated that mm. as a notion. Uh, there was a great comic book series put out by, I believe, Wildstorm Press back in the uh, mid aunts and it was called Badland. And it did this sort of Godfather Two thing, where it was part prequel, part sequel, where we see, you know, a typical Friday the Thirteenth movie where Jason is going after people who are, for whatever reason, at this point, come on, people, stop going to fucking Camp Crystal Lake, just stop it. Uh, But they're there. He's chasing them. Bad things happen. But also there are these other stories from times past where other horrible things happen on this land that so the, the the notion that there is a curse there was sort of trotted out and that Jason, rather than being a standalone villain, he is just another aspect of the curse of this land. Uh, which I think is really cool and really kind of fascinating. And I think in McLaughlin's mm-hmm. hands, it would have been, you know, really well done and something that could have, uh, you know, made his sequel all the more special.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Cause he really straddles the line between scary and tense, but also self-aware and, and kind of satirical. So I think he could have done both quite nicely again. Um, and, you know, I think that brings us into conclusion territory And I'm wondering, Jinx, do you think that there is a world where we're going to get to see either Jason Never Dies or just another Tom McLaughlin Friday the 13th?
0: I, you know, are we ever going to see another Friday the 13th at all? Oh Uh, my God. uh, Who knows? Who knows with the lawsuit? um, Who can say? Um, Honestly, like, I think we should. I absolutely think we should, like the moment those rights issues get sorted out, go to the guy who made one of the best, let him take another shot at it, give him a decent budget, and let him kill it, like that would be amazing, but part <laughs> of me feels like they're not going to do that, they're going to do like, you know, very modern, very slick and sleek, very platinum dunes, even though you can't very well say that that's modern, that was, that's 13 years ago now. Um, Whoa, so that we long. got that remake you know but i just feel like you know with a lot of the different takes they were developing over the years it seems like they're wanting to keep it grounded and keep it super scary and grim and mclaughlin you know that's not really his bag you know he he wants to harken back to the fun days and um i get it if they don't go with him but i really wish they would because i think he would sort of recalibrate the franchise in a way that it sorely needs and will need if it finally, you know, gets some life breathed back into it.
1: But if you were given like th- the budget and the keys to either give a new Friday movie to Tom McLaughlin or Ronnie Yu, who would
0: you go to? So uh, McLaughlin. Sorry, yeah, McLaughlin.
1: I, although I, I wouldn't be able to answer right away, but I think I agree.
0: I can. I will. McLaughlin. <laughs> Uh, Ronnie. and here's the thing I don't even hate like I, I think Freddy versus Jason is an absolute blast. I think Ronnie is, you know, he's a hell of a shooter. Uh, he is, but <laughs> um, but no, give it to McLaughlin, like, especially considering that he's already developed it. Like, this mm-hmm. is something that he's
1: been he thinking cares about. about,
0: this is something he's been crafting on his own waiting for his chance. You know, I don't think Ronnie, Yu is out there anywhere. He's never
1: thought about Jason a second after that movie came out.
0: I'm not sure he was thinking about Jason when he made the movie.
1: (laughs) No. And Uh, it is why it works. Yeah.
0: I mean, but you know, it is, it is kind of what it is. Uh, (laughs) I think McLaughlin loves that world. He loves that character. He, I, I love that he was honest back in the day rather than, uh, cashing a quick paycheck and just churning out sequel after sequel. He told them like, look, you know, I'm, I'm kind I of done it. at the moment, but now that guy has a, uh, a, a solid idea. He has set pieces in mind. Um, give the man the money and let him turn in some gold. I, I think he really uh-huh. would.
1: All he would need is like 8 million bucks to make this work.
0: I, you know, if he only needs 8 million, give him 16 and stand back.
1: Oh, that would be beautiful. Blum, listen, help us out, Daddy Blum. <laughs> and um, then let him, you know what,
0: craft a Friday uh, trilogy, you know, let uh, let Jason Never Dies do that. You know what, talking about like, you know, a group of misfits stuck in the woods against like a supernatural evil uh, set in the 90s. Damn it, if Yellow Jackets is getting all sorts of love these days, and it should because it's an amazing it's so show. Good. Let McLaughlin do his 90s set Camp Crystal Lake horror movie. Come on. Like that'd be cool. Do let him do a trilogy. Do the first movie set in the 90s and then do the next two set in the present day. Age the girls who survive from the 99 movie up to like 20, mm-hmm. 2022. Bring back Tom Matthews' as Tommy Jarvis and, yeah. and just watch the money
1: roll in blumhouse come on definitely 100 percent. i'd be more interested in that than the exorcist trilogy so we will see what exorcist trilogy are you joking maybe <laughs> uh jinx now that you're free and out in the wild where can people find
0: you online uh, so you can find my writing at bloody disgusting. You can find my podcast at screamatics.com or any of your favorite places to get podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at jinx 1981. That's J I N X one nine eight one. I'm on Instagram posting all manner of weird, spooky shots. Uh, that is J I N X seven four zero nine four one. And um, yeah, just give me a yell people. Come on.
1: All right. And you know, since we're here, since we're in the woods, I think we might as well just stick it out at camp, just the two of us, till the end of July. Because, I mean, what else do we have to do?
0: Oh, I'm waiting till you fall asleep, and then I'm escaping, sir.
1: <laughs> That's what you think. Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review.